This morning I want to share, and I know I've taken a little bit of time here, but I want to share something with you that's for all of us here today. And the message is always for all of us, but this is really for the whole church today. This is young and old and everybody in between. But uh, I, want to, I want to talk a little bit and, and preach a little bit and share a little bit about a portrait of the early church. I really felt the need. I want to go back and get a snapshot because we are the church. Amen. We are the church. And we have a blueprint in a sense. We have a snapshot of, of how the church started and, and what the church was doing. Now, there are, there are two books, two volumes in the New Testament. There's a, there's a man. He's a physician. His name is Luke. And Luke wrote two, two books. And of course, he wrote these books under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And the first bears his name. It's called the Gospel of Luke. And the Gospel of Luke is one of the four Gospels and one of the three synoptic Gospels. And what it is, it is a message of the life, the birth, the life, the ministry, the message, the message, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a Gospel. He wrote a companion book. And it's called the book of Acts. And, and, and in this companion book, the book of Acts tells us the account of the history and the growth of the very first church, the very first early church. And the story of the book of Acts teaches us how the church grew, but, but more importantly, how they fulfilled the mission of Christ in the first century. And, and by the way, let me just tell you this. It was an incredible success. I mean, with all our modern gadgets, I don't know that we're quite doing what they did without, without sound systems, without airplanes, without printing presses. Just 120 people filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Within 300 years, they had evangelized the entire Roman Empire. They didn't have anybody for them. They didn't have any First Amendments. They didn't have any freedom of speech. But what they had was God. What they had, listen, what they had was Christ on his throne leading the church. And oh, what a success they were. And God wants us to be a success in building his church. This morning, I want to go to the book of Acts. I'm going to look at the snapshot of the family, our first family. I'm going to look at a portrait of the church, and I want to look at how they did ministry, because how, how they did ministry, you say, wait a second, we're in a modern day, irrelevant. We are the church in the first century, we were the church in the second century, third century, we're the church in the 21st century, we don't take our cue from the world, we don't take our cue from culture, we take our cue from the very word of God. This is the book we need to be following, amen? And we can be successful if we go with the book. I'm going with the book, how about you? Church like church, going with the book. We're going to look at how they did ministry. And the reason for the message, just give me another moment before we go to Acts. The reason for this message is I'm a little concerned about all the pragmatic ideas that are being amalgamated into the church. Now, I'm all for great ideas. I know, I know those ideas many times are led by God. That's great. But some of these ideas may not be. I want, to, I want you to hear this. The Holy Spirit does not borrow from culture. To advance the mission of Christ. Did you hear that? The Holy Spirit doesn't borrow from the culture to advance the mission of Christ. Now, listen, are you still listening? Say amen. Now listen to this. And not every means of gospel advancement is worthy of Christ's name. It has to be done in His name. 
in His way. Now listen, listen. Ministry must be done according to the Word of God, under the power of the Holy Spirit, and blessed by the Holy Spirit, and in a way that brings glory to Him. Remember this? Whatever you do, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the name of the Lord. So we want to make sure that we're doing ministry under the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to make sure we're doing it in His name. We want to be sure it glorified His name. It's worthy of His name. We want to make sure it's in line with the teaching of the Word of God. So, so think about this. Here's a question. How do we know that not all ministry will be accepted by the Lord? And the reason is because we have a word from Paul. Now listen, these are sober words. This is, what, this is why we need to go back to Acts and say, what's the blueprint? Blueprint. What's the portrait of the church? How did they do ministry? What, what was life in the church like? What, what, what did they do? Because that's our pattern. Now notice what Paul said. How do we know that not all ministry will be accepted by the Lord? Now think about this. Every single person in this room, and certainly the, the speaker today, will stand before the Lord and will give an account of how we live for God, how we led the church, certainly us ministers most of all. Uh, this church will have to stand before God and give an account of not only what we did, but how we did it. Now, these are sober words I'm going to read to you. Now, we're going to get to Acts. We're going to hit it fast. But listen to these words, because this sets up why we need to go and discover again, rediscover how they did the ministry. Here it is. 1 Corinthians on the screen. 1 Corinthians 3.11. For no one can lay any foundation other than what's already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now listen, that means this, the foundation of any church is Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ is not the foundation, you're not even saved. He's the only Savior. So he started the church. He's the foundation of the church. But notice this, there's others uh, like us have come along and we're doing the ministry now. Other preachers, other evangelists, other missionaries, etc. Other Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, worship leaders. They all come along and what are we? We're building on the foundation. We're living our lives. We're here this morning and we're saying we want to do a work for Christ. But notice what it says. If anyone builds on this foundation, listen, using gold, silver, and costly stones. Then he says... Wood, hay, straw, their work, their ministry, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, what is that day? That's the day of the Lord. That's the day when we'll stand before God one day. It says the day will bring it to light. Now we're talking about evaluation here. He said, whoa, we done got serious early in the sermon, preacher. Look at this. The day will bring it to light. And it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test the quality Of every person's work. Notice that. If what has been built survives. So that means not every ministry is going to survive. Not even everything supposedly done in his name is going to survive. We know that according to Matthew 7. There's going to be those that say, hey, I preached in your name. I did miracles in your name. I prophesied in your name. Jesus is going to say, I didn't even know you. Are you with me? It says, if it's right, the, build, the builder, the minister, the servant will, will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet, but yet will be saved, even though only as one who escapes through the flames. Don't you know 
that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, in other words, in building and in ministering in a way that destroys the work instead of builds the work, listen, it says if anyone destroys God's temple, talking about the church, like this church, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are the, that temple. Do not, do, uh, do not deceive yourself. If anyone, if any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the sight of God. In other words, be careful how you do ministry. Be careful how you conduct ministry. Remember I said Holy Spirit doesn't borrow from culture. He doesn't use the clever schemes. Why? Because His tools are the best to be. Why are we going to go to the culture? Now listen. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. In other words, those who think they're wise are futile. And then he says, so then, no more boasting about human leaders. That's what they were doing. All things are yours. Now, I'm talking about how we do ministry. I'm talking about the portrait of the early church. A portrait of how they did ministry. How they touched the entire world of their day. With such what seemed to be such feeble instruments and feeble weapons. But the weapons we fight with may be foolish in the world. But they're mighty through God. What does that mean? These, these things can still build the church. They can still bring salvation to the lost. They can still heal the sick. They can still bring down strongholds. And even bring down nations. Because when you let this gospel loose, it can transform lives. Now in this, I'll make a comment on this. Gold, silver, precious stones represents that which is beautiful and lasting. It is, it is ministry that is done with the right materials, the right methods, the right motives. It is material that is beautiful and that honors the beautiful foundation, which is none other than our beautiful Jesus. So that means this, what we do here, let it, let it bring glory to the beautiful Jesus. Let it not bring dishonor to Him. Let it not bring diminished glory to what we're standing on today. Let what we do bring glory to Christ. That's gold, silver, precious stone. But what is wood, hay, stubble? That represents that which is carnal, unspiritual, common, temporal, valueless. It represents ministry that is done with the wrong message, the wrong methods, and the wrong motives. And as I've already said, at the end of this age, all ministries, all Christians, whatever you've done for God, what we've done for God, we will stand before the living Christ. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. It will listen, it will not be to determine, be determined who is saved or in lost. Everyone there is going to be saved. But what it will determine is rewards. It will determine what we receive in, in eternity as far as rewards go. And some will have great gain. And some will have great loss. What's the point in the introduction? Is this our message, our ministry, our methods matter. Because one day they will be evaluated by the Lord. And that's why we go to the pattern. That's why we go to the blueprint. That's why we go to the portrait. And we say, how did the church in Acts, how did they do ministry? I'm going to go quick. First of all, we see this. 
we see that the early church continued the ministry of Jesus, hear this, as his body. They continued the work of Jesus. Acts chapter 1 verse 1, it says this, in my former book, Theophilus, that was Luke, the Gospel of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus, notice, began to do and to teach. So it tells what Jesus began. The gospel depicts Jesus' life and ministry on earth. But then this Jesus began to do indicates that he's not finished yet. Come on. He's not finished yet. I mean, you know, we're not in heaven yet. We're still here. The Lord has not come yet for his church. He's still doing something. So what happens is Acts narrates what Jesus continued to do through every saved person which is his body. Do you know that's one of the fra- one of the titles that we carry? We are the body of Christ. Corinthians says it this way in verse 12:11. All these are the work of one and the self-same spirit and he distributes to each one as he determines just as a body. Just as a body through one the, the one has many parts. But all are, are, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. Then Ephesians. God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body. Here's what that means. That we are here on earth. You say, well, what are we doing on earth? That we are to function as the body of Christ. We are Jesus' hands. We are Jesus' feet. We are Jesus' voice. Why are we raising money to take fire Bibles, to send them around the world? Why doesn't Jesus do that? He is doing it, but he's doing it through us. Our money is his money. Our voice is his voice. Our body is his body. And we want to be a beautiful body of Christ. Him animating his life through us to the world as a witness of Christ and his death and his burial and his resurrection. And the way he did it, he started out with empowerment. Everybody say empowerment. Look at this, Acts 1 and 8. But you shall receive supernatural power, dunamis, power. That's, that really means power in action. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. Now, we know this empowerment wasn't just for the apostles. You say, how do you know that? Well, by the narrative of Acts, we know that there were 120 people in the upper room. How many have ever been in what is they purport to be the upper room? Anyone been there? I've been there. I've been in what is, what is the upper room. Missy's been there. Others might have been there. And we went in there, and yeah, Muriel was with us in the upper room. And Muriel, you remember, in the upper room, we began to worship, and we began to sing. And I doubt that was the upper room at all that, all that architecture. You know, I don't think they had that then. But anyway, so they said it was the upper room. But I know this, somewhere in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, 120 people were gathered together, and they weren't just the apostles, but they were the apostles, and there were men, and there were women there, and the Holy Spirit poured out, as Joel said, that he would do. How many know he's still doing that today? I've told people and over and over again, I said, it's real. Holy Spirit's real. I read recently, and it just blessed my heart, because we've been telling folks for years that the Spirit of God is real today. He wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He has a prayer language for every single Christian. Recently I read, a week or so ago, that Max Lucado testified and wrote. You can read. It's right now. Max Lucado, the author, the Church of Christ author, he wrote many, many books. He recently testified in an article and said, 
I was in my prayer devotion. This is not how this man was raised. He said, I was in my prayer time in the morning. And I was just worshiping the Lord and praying. And he said, the next thing I know, I'm speaking with tongues. So I guess he's Pentecost. He come on over, didn't he? We've been trying to tell folks for years. Now, I was like that. I wasn't raised in this. I wasn't raised in any of this. But I can tell you the Holy Spirit is real. Amen? So I guess he's Pentecostal now. I guess he's Spirit-filled now. I guess he has the baptism in the Holy Spirit now. And now he testified in the article. He said, and now in my private prayer time, I pray in tongues. I'm telling you it's real. How many know it's real? And so I'm going to tell you. Now, hear this. The church... That's on mission, and we're on mission for Christ. His mission will continue to do the works of Jesus. Hear this. We as the church are the visible manifestation of the invisible Christ. I've never seen Jesus, but I know he's alive. Why? He's got a church on earth he's leading. We are the visible manifestation of the invisible Christ. He's alive here today. He's alive in our heart. They can't get rid of us because Jesus said the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. Somebody help me preach this morning. Do you believe it today? We are the church. We see in the book of Acts, they continued to do the ministry of Jesus. Look at what John said about this. John 14 says, Verily, verily, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works. That's the the, the works, and that includes miracles and signs. Will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I, I am going to the Father. So here's what I want you to see. Jesus had this great plan. And he, as the Son of God, had a body. He was incarnate. We believe that. And he was at one place at one time. He wasn't omnipresent that moment. He was at one place in one time. He was born in Bethlehem's manger. And and Jesus, the Son of God, was right there in Bethlehem's manger. And, and, and when Jesus lived in Nazareth, he was right there in Nazareth. And when Jesus ministered throughout his Galilean ministry, he was there in Galilee. Jesus was in one place at one time while on earth ministering. But, but now something incredible has happened. Now Jesus and his presence is everywhere. He's all over the world this morning. All over the world on this Sunday. There Many times I'll get up early in the morning and I'll, I'll turn on... I forget what the website is, but it has all these churches from around the world that do live stream like we do. And uh, sometimes I'll catch them in Scotland and Ireland and in England, and they're worshiping the Lord there. Here's, here's my understanding of the greater works. He said they do greater work, greater than these. Now, I don't believe that anyone's going to do a better quality of work than Jesus. Jesus' miracles were very unique to his deity, very unique to identify him as the Son of God. But I believe that, yes, miracles are still a part of the New Testament and part of the church today and can be, and God still does miracles. But I believe that the greater works that he's talking about here are greater in quantity. Why? Because Jesus in one place at one time, but now as temples of the Holy Spirit, everywhere we go, the presence of God is with us. Jesus is working through his body now, so he's everywhere. Come on, amen. He's everywhere. He goes where you go. And he wants to be your hand. He he wants you to be his hands, his voice, his feet, his witness. My point is this. The church is manifesting Christ through his spirit to the world. 
Isn't that a wonderful thing? Ephesians says this. His intent was now through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. Let Jesus shine through us. Come on, let Jesus work through this body. Come on, amen. Secondly, I want you to see this. This is a major thing that the church did. The early church prayed together corporately until there was an outbreak of the Holy Spirit. Of course, we see it in Acts. Now, notice this. It says in Acts 1, it says they joined together constantly. This is what they constantly did. This wasn't people getting emotionally excited over some need and I'm deciding to go to church and I'm going to pray. But it's a pray. No, this was part. This was like breath to them. Just as like just as normal it is to breathe. They constantly together, constantly in prayer, along with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is just one illustration of the protracted times of corporate prayer practiced by the early church which seemed to always lead after those prayer times to this amazing outbreak of the Holy Spirit of God. If we in the modern church want to see and want to have similar outpourings of the Holy Spirit, we must get back to the blueprint. We must get back to doing what they did. There must be times of intense, fervent, corporate, lengthy prayers. Can I tell you, there's no substitute for prayer. There's nothing, there's nothing in the church that will substitute, nothing in this world that will substitute for prayer. Prayer is God's way. Say that with me. Prayer is God's way. I want you to say it one more time. Prayer is God's way. Prayer will never be out of vogue. Listen what what some have called an apostle of prayer, Ian Bounds, said. He wrote a lot prolifically on prayer. I want to quote one of his writings. And I quote, here's what he says. If God works through prayer on earth, then by the same token, prayerlessness rules God out of the world's affairs and prevents Him from working. Why? Because prayer is God's way. And if prayer moves God to work in the world's affairs, then prayerlessness excludes God from everything concerning men. And leaves man on earth as a mere creature of circumstances. At the mercy of blind faith or without help or many kind from God. It leaves man in the world with its tremendous responsibilities and its difficult problems. And with all of its sorrows and burdens and afflictions without any God at all. In reality, the denial of prayer is is a denial of God himself. For God and prayer are so inseparable, they can never be divorced, end quote. We want to be a godless church, just let the prayer closet be empty. Just stop praying. And you know what? You're on your own. You're on your own. You've got to come up with your own resources and your own plans and your own pathways and your own solving your problems. But I don't know about you. I'm not smart enough for all that. I need God this morning. This church needs God this morning. Are you hearing me, church? We need God to show up. We need God's presence and God's wisdom and God's resources. So I say, let's be a house of prayer. 
fire. Let's be a people that say, we're going to fill the altars and we're going to fill this church. We will be a house of prayer. And we want the Lord in our midst to work mightily for his namesake. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. We see the church gathering in these corporate times of prayer. And in fact, the truth is, did you notice you, you, you have very little personal prayer in Acts. Very little time when you have one person praying. God's people are always getting together to pray. Oh, church, let's get together and pray. Amen? Come on, let's get together and have a prayer meeting. Let's get together and pray hell back. And the blessing of God in. Oh, hallelujah. I got excited this morning. Come on, amen. Come on, got a deacon excited. Man, I just love these guys. Listen, these guys, look at these guys. On the front row, amen in the preacher. I just love these guys. You know I love you. I love these guys. These are my men. I love you guys. This is what every church needs. Deacons on the front row. These guys are not just guys that count nickels and dimes. These are men of God. When we pray, listen, church will rise and fall. On its prayer life. This church will. You write in your story. By the prayer closet being full. Or the prayer closet being empty. God has amazing things for us. But when we don't pray. We deny God. When we don't pray. We cut ourselves off from his blessing. I just wonder what would happen. If 100% of the membership of this church. Would start showing up on Tuesday nights. I'm telling you. The roof would come off this place. We'd see miracles and signs and wonders. And healings and salvation. And we would see God's name glorified. I tell you God has things planned. But faith demands that we pray. Because God's way is prayer. And from the time I was a young boy, young man. From the moment I got saved, God put that in me. God put that in me to pray. It wasn't, no one taught me. I never read a book on it at that moment. But I tell you, when I, was a, I just got saved, I started having all-night prayer meetings. I never even heard of an all-night prayer meeting. I didn't even know it was called that. I just knew I wanted God. And as a teenager, I'd pray all night long. I'd seek God. I would read the scripture. I was so hungry for God. And God showed up in my life. God will show up anywhere where he's wanted. If we'll call on him, you want more of God, you want revival, you can have it. I'm telling you, there's a table spread. The cup of the master's full. We can drink of that shepherd's cup. It's full of blessing. If you want it, go after it. But you have to go after it through prayer. we got to get tough. Prayer is hard work. Prayer is hard work. It's hard on the flesh. It's hard on the mind. That's why they called it praying through. But that's what the church did. Now listen, if we want the Spirit to be outpoured, pray. Pray. Because we will receive what we pray for. Listen to what Jesus said. These are the words of Jesus. So I say to you, Luke 9, 11, so I say to you, ask. And it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone. Everybody say everyone. Come on, everyone. That's all of us. That's every Christian. Everyone, every church, everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he gives a contrast here. And a, and, a, and a 
and an illustration. Which of you fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, Daddy, can I have a fish? Will he give him a snake? We're talking about goodness here. We're talking about the goodness of a father. Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, in other words, he's saying, do you realize that you can have an unsaved earthly father that has love for their kids at some, some level? You know, not even saved, but yet has a, has a love, a natural instinct to love and watch over their children. And they don't even know Jesus. And yet they're good to their kids and they watch over their kids. And then the Lord says, if you then are evil, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Well, I've run out of time. Boy, I've got a lot more to say. But I have. (laughs) He said, say it, but you don't know how much more I have to say, brother. (laughs) And it's a lot. But I'm done. I feel like the Lord's done. We need to get back to the blueprint. We need to get back to doing ministry like they did ministry. We need to see ourselves as Jesus has pictured us. We're his body. And we all have a part. You have a part. You have a ministry. You have a gift. You have an anointing to build this church. And to make a difference in lives. The church saw themselves as the body, continuing the ministry of Jesus. And we want to continue the ministry of Jesus until he comes. Amen? Amen. And that ministry starts through prayer. Yes, there's public ministry and there's public witness and there's going, but there has to be prayer. And there's many other things. I'll probably come back and finish. This may be a little series I do. Maybe that's what the Lord wants.